1: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the
0: generosity of
1: our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word.
0: What do you understand the gift of eternal life and the generous love of the Father, then you'll start to look at external things totally different.
1: Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome to another episode of Today with Jeff Vines. We're about to continue with Pastor Jeff and his message from Luke chapter 14. When Jesus attended a party thrown by a chief Pharisee, He gave some advice that was counter to the customs of the day. So let's see how this should alter our attitudes in the present day. We're in Luke chapter 14. Let's pick it up with Pastor Jeff.
0: You're here and you're saying, Pastor Jeff, I came to your church two years ago and you were talking about the same thing. I find that uncanny. And if you're telling me you're here and I'm talking about the same thing that you heard two years ago, that to me is a clear sign that God has a message for you. (laughs) How, I mean, that's uncanny. How can that happen? (laughs) And the message he has for you is that fully devoted followers, their giving in generosity is preeminent. Their giving in generosity is sacrificial. When somebody tells me I don't believe in the tithe, they're talking about the Old Testament system where 10% went to ministry and charity for the tabernacle. And I'm thinking, dude, be careful. Because when you get to the New Testament, it goes far past the tide. If I were you, if you're trying to hold on to your cash, keep the 10%, it's easier. Because when you get to the New Testament, by the way, let me show you something that Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Now, this is, these are the words of Jesus. This is the red letter in the red letter edition. And Jesus says, woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, that's your cash, rue and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. And then he goes on to say, you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Did you hear that? Jesus said, you give a tenth, but you don't practice love, mercy, and justice. You should practice love, mercy, and justice without leaving the tithe undone. Jesus himself affirms it, that it's a good starting place. And the reason he doesn't mention tithe anymore in the New Testament is because the New Testament idea of generosity goes way beyond the tithe. In 2 Corinthians chapter eight, yes, I know it's difficult. See, little babies cry at this. It's hard to handle. I understand. I understand. Out of the mouths of babes, he's just expressing what we're all feeling right now. 2 Corinthians eight. The apostle Paul, there's poverty in Jerusalem and the Macedonian Christians want to give. The problem is the Macedonians are poor too and yet they give. And here's how Paul describes it. He says, they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. Said so they gave as much as they were able, even beyond what they were. They gave more than they were really able to give, but they did because that's what a fully devoted follower of Jesus does. Now, is that where you are? Is that you? See, when somebody tells me, Jeff, I'd like to give, but I can't afford here, let me translate that for you. Here's what they mean. I'd like to give, but I'm not willing to sacrifice something that I want. If you're giving the way God wants you to give, I want to tell you it's going to hurt. I know this from experience. You're not going to be able to have some things you want to have, not necessarily needs, but you may not be able to spend the money you want to spend on clothing or shoes or movies or going to Hawaii or whatever. There are some things that you don't do, places you don't go because your heart is changed. And after you've taken care of your necessities, your heart is the generosity. So that Jesus says there are two types of people in the world, the self-serving and the self-sacrificing. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. And that's what I want you to be. Now I got to hurry because here's what happens. Jesus knew that when he taught this, people are going to, they're going to struggle And I always wondered, why does Jesus tell this parable about the highways and byways after he tells the Pharisees when they have a a dinner, don't invite your friends? Why does he do that? And then I got it, man. I thought, what the brilliant in the mind of Jesus. Of course, he doesn't need me to tell him that. He's brilliant. But the reason is he knows that if people are going to live this way, there better be a pretty good rationale for it. So he tells them story. Before he tells the story, he says this, Guys, when you go into a party, don't take the higher seat, take the lower seat. Now, this has a practical ring to it in the sense that if I were to go to that party with Clive Palmer and I go take the highest seat, his bodyguards they are gonna come to, come to me and say, who are you and what are you doing here? There are people more important than you here. Get to the back of the line, pal. So that would save me from embarrassment, right? That's the practical side to it. Nobody likes somebody who's prideful that takes a higher seat than they deserve. But Jesus is giving us a spiritual reality. A spiritual reality that should remind us this is why we are people that have a counter perspective to our stuff. At the golf club, it's taken me two and a half years to be able to speak spiritual things into the lives of some of the guys. It takes a while. First of all, they're thinking, who's this pastor and why is he here? Because I think part of it's helped that I'm a decent golfer that's earned a little bit of respect from them. That helps, it does, it really does. So that might be a gift from God. (laughs) I could use a little more of the gift, God. So I I get to speak into their lives. Now, I want to tell you something I've learned. I found it more difficult in Southern California than I found it in New Zealand. And here's why. In New Zealand, they don't believe in God or some percent does not believe in God. So, I could start with God, and once I was able to give what I believe are convincing arguments for the existence of God and His work in the world, then what followed was much easier. But here the problem is my friends there believe in God. They do. They just believe that they're good enough to receive God and for God to receive them. So, you should hear some of the conversations. I'll say, Brothers, are, are you kidding? Are you you're ready to meet God? Oh, yeah, we're ready to meet God. Their head is high. Oh, yeah, we're ready. Why? We're good people. Well, we haven't committed genocide. We haven't killed anybody. I mean, we're good people. I mean, yeah, I am stand with my head up high and say, God, I did the best I could with what I had. I'm ready to go in. I think, dudes, are you kidding me? I mean, you've never told a lie. You've never cheated on your wife. And I'm, there's more than one way to cheat on your wife, folks. You've never said anything hurtful to your wife. You've never said anything hurtful to your kids. You never gossiped about anybody. You never did a business deal in a crooked way. You've never taken anything that doesn't belong to you. You've never had thoughts about people. You've never slandered somebody. You've never done any of that. They'll say, Oh, yeah, well, of course, but that's the way the world is. That's the way it works. Of course we've done, but we haven't done anything really bad. Besides, Pastor Jeff, I, I mean, surely you think you're getting in, don't you? I mean, surely you're confident that you'll be right with God. And I said, yes, but not the way you think. And they'll say, why aren't you good? And I'll say, no, I'm not good. I have thoughts I shouldn't have. I treat my wife in ways that are ungodly. I say things to my kids I should never say. I say bad things about people that I should never say. And I watch them. Sometimes I watch something I shouldn't watch. I'm bad. And they'll look at me and they'll say, then what hope do we have? (laughs) And I'll say, zero, the same hope I have. We're all in deep (laughs) doo-doo. And I love the look of confusion Then I say, except for the grace of God, except for the cross of Jesus. And I love to see the mind start turning then. You see, once you get that, once you understand what you have internally, they can't be taken away from you. The gift of eternal life, the gift of life with the Father, the gift that no matter what happens to you here and now, you're with God, you're good with God because it's not based on how good you are, but based on the grace and generosity of God. Once you understand the the gift that's been given to you and the generous love of the Father, then you'll start to look at external things totally different. I learned that from my good buddy, Mark Aragon. Mark taught me that you cannot coerce or manipulate generosity. No matter how many sermons I preach about it, If you're not generous, you're just going to get more and more angry with me that only God can change a heart. Generosity is something that comes from the inside out when you recognize the free gift of grace and how God has been so generous to you. The natural outworking of that will be that you become a person who is self-sacrificing, who is incredibly generous. When you make the the true conversion and transformation, greed starts to surrender to generosity. And that's the kind of person Mark was. Not only that though, Jesus wants to make sure we understand something else. So in an incredible passage of scripture, just toward the end of the parable, he says, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, you'll be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now quickly, here's what Jesus is saying. He said, I know for some of you, you're gonna start being generous and you're gonna get involved in helping the poor and rescuing the homeless. And you're gonna get involved in programs like Kaleidoscope where you're giving your time and your talents and your energy to people who are less fortunate, to at-risk children in our community. You're gonna get involved in in, uh, transitional housing. You're gonna get involved in meeting the needs of people who desperately need someone to love them and care for them. And there's going to come a time in your life where you're going to say, man, it's just dawned on me with the amount of money and time I'm spending on other people. If I just keep this for myself, I could have better cars and bigger houses and go on better vacation and enjoy better feasts at high-class restaurants. Man, my quality of life would be so much greater if I'd stop doing this. And that's when Jesus says, no, you're missing the point. The kingdom of God is real. The great banquet is coming and everything that your heart has always longed for will be a reality for you. Jesus is saying God has never asked anybody to sacrifice something that he did not have an infinitely greater plan to replace to an infinitely greater degree. There's never a time when he asks you to give up anything that he does not plan on repaying to an infinitely greater degree anything that you feel like you've lost. Amen, brother, thank you. And so Jesus says, You have to make a choice. You make a choice. Whose kingdom are you going to live for now? Yours or God's? Your choice. But make no mistake, he says, I'll know the answer by the way you relate to your stuff. Third and finally, and let me just summarize the story because I'm off the page anyway. So just look up, let me finish it. Jesus tells that parable. And the parable is told because some dude evidently in the audience says, blessed is the man who eats in the kingdom of God. Now, it took me a long time to understand what's happening here. Scholars believe this could be sarcasm. In other words, he's saying, yeah, blessed be the kingdom of God. Yeah, boy, it's coming one day, no thanks. I'll get what I want in the here and now. I'm not risking on something in the future. And so Jesus says, okay, if that's the way you want it, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. If you want to know what the kingdom of God is like, and then he tells that parable in the context of generosity. And he says, basically, this is, this whole parable is the rationale for why we are people with a counter perspective. He says, the host, now that's going to be God, has this great banquet. That's going to be heaven. He sends out the invitation and the people he invites say, sorry, too busy to come. So they're getting married. They're burying the dead. They're in business deals. They're pursuing the things of the world. Sorry, we'd like to come, but we can't. The host gets angry. So he calls a servant. He says, go out into the streets, man, and you bring them in here. Who are in the streets? The poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, people who can't fend for themselves. Go get them and bring them in here. Servant does it. He says, master, there's still room. All right, go out into the highways and the byways. Go to the countryside and bring those dudes in. Now, in Jesus' first century culture, the people who were out in the hedges and the highways were the robbers. They were waiting to rob you. Or they were hiding because of their criminal activity from being arrested. So he says, go get those guys. Now you think about the Pharisees listening to this. What? They get to come in? And Jesus says, when you go to get them, you're going to have to compel them. And the Greek word is the word for, you're going to have to make them because they're not going to believe there's any way they're invited to a banquet like this. So, when you go out to invite them, you're going to have to take them by the arm and pull them in. And they're going to be saying, No, are you sure now? You sure? I can't go. I mean, I can't do any favors for this guy. I mean, I'm not in the patronage system. You sure? I can come. And you're going to have to drag. Yeah, you can come. And not only that, when you go invite them, tell them that everything has been prepared. What does that mean? Tell them it's not a potluck, <laughs> it's not a bring the plate. Everything's already been done. You just bring yourself, and you will experience the generosity of a God who loves you and has given you everything. Staggering generosity. Now the question is, who are those in the hedges? That's you and me. Oh yeah. We weren't the first ones to receive the invitation. That's God's people, the Israelites. So now he said, go out and get them. And the reason is because we're just not good people. And if we were received by God on the basis of our goodness, we'd all be in trouble. And he said, there's gonna be a sense and they won't believe that they've been really been invited. Compel them to come in so that the cross then becomes the image of where God threw his son out so that we could come in. That he gave up his only son so that he would not lose us. And when that dawns on you, what's been done for you, the automatic result is a life of generosity. And that's why I say, until you've been transformed by the power of God and you get what this whole thing of salvation is about, no pun intended, there won't be a prayer of you being generous and living a life of generosity because it's so unnatural that only the spirit of God could open your eyes. Now, here's how we're gonna end. Oh, this is going to be fun here. Pastors love doing stuff like this. Oh, yeah. You ready? Now, do you trust me? You tr- now, you trust me enough to know that sometimes it appears that I'm about to do something really wacky, but we never arrive at wackiness. If you're a visitor and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, listen, you're in a safe place. You're very safe. It only appears like it'll get crazy, but it won't. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to do two things. Everybody. I'm gonna ask you to take out your cell phone, that's first, take out your cell phone and turn it on. Pastors never ask that question. I'm asking you to take, if you got your cell phone, take it out and turn it on, power it up. Okay, that's the first thing, that's the easy part. The second thing is I want you to take, guys, your wallet out of your pocket and hold it in your hand. Now, you're safe, we've already taken the offering up, we're not taking another one. It only appears that wackiness is going to happen. Take your wallet out. Women, you dig in your purse, which is going to be very difficult for some of you, and find your cash, whatever represents your money. If it's a little purse, whatever it is, hold it in your hand. Hold out your wallet, hold out your cell phone. Here, All right, ready? Now, here's what we're going to do. Here's the next thing we're going to do. I would like you to take your wallet or whatever represents your funding, your money, and I'd like you to pass it to the person next to you Not your wife. You do that all through the week. (laughs) Pass it over. Pass it over. Woo! Man, we are people of faith right now, right here. Oh, this is fun. Some of you are panicking right now. Panicking. Now, I want you to take that wallet, whatever it is, and I want you to hold it right in front of yourself. Just hold it right in front of yourself. Don't hold it up or just right in front. Now, I I want you to look at it carefully and Listen. What you are holding in your hand right now, this is what we worship. Notice I said we. I said we. That means you and this is what we worship. This is what we put our hope in. As long as we have enough of this, we're happy. Of course, it's never enough. This is what we trust in. This is what we give ultimate worth to. This is what we give our ultimate pursuit to. And what God is asking you to do you think it's tough to just pass it to your neighbor? He's asking you to give it all up to him. Now, that does not mean give all your money to the church. Stop doing that. He's saying, give it to me, not me, me, him, him, Jesus. (laughs) This is not a televangelist speech here. folks. If you touch this television screen, nothing's going to happen special. He's saying, give it to me. Trust me with this trust me So I want you to take that wallet home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Pass it back to the owner now because they're freaking out. Pass it back. Pass it back now. Now you've got it. You've got your money back. Hopefully all of you have your money back. <laughs> now here's the second thing I'm going to ask you to do. The second thing. So I'm going to ask you Guys You got to get to the point. You got to get to the point and you got to stop putting your pastor in the same category as you do televangelists. There's got to be a point when you, you actually trust that your pastor is not trying to manipulate or coerce you that perhaps maybe, perhaps maybe he's trying to help you grow. Maybe he's trying to help you grow. And when you get to that point, then our relationship will be much better. And I would hope I would hope that you would take a look at the kind of cars I drive and the clothes I wear, that that would match the things I ask of you. I think that's, I think that's very important for people in ministry, I do, to be careful with how they spend their money, that if they're asking others to the sacrifice, they better be the first and foremost willing to do the same. Listen, there's something special about it, and I'm so confident. I believe God opens the gates of heaven. I... I I've seen so many things happen around here since our prayer meeting started because we commit ourselves to prayer. Just things started moving, things started happening. When people start giving and having a heart of generosity, we'll change the world together. I love you, God bless you, have a great week.
1: Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of this message from Luke chapter 14. And as Pastor Jeff said, this message will make us look at our lives and the world differently. I hope it has encouraged you. Next time we're talking about really experiencing God as Pastor Jeff looks at Psalm 63, a Psalm written by King David.
0: If you think that you can experience God before you enter into a covenant relationship with Him, the Bible goes to great lengths to tell you that's impossible that only when you enter into a covenant relationship with God at the cross, then experiencing God is a reality, it's a possibility.
1: Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au